Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, friends, and welcome back. So glad that you uh, joined us today. We're in a passage of scripture where Jeremiah has been doing some preaching. Uh, Jeremiah did ne- never really preached in the way that you and I would think. You know, today, if I were to say someone's preaching, then you would think, oh, okay, at what church or at what revival meeting, what camp? But not Jeremiah. When Jeremiah preached, he was essentially preaching at places where people didn't want him to be there. People, places where people gathered, where people were passing by, but primarily places where people just didn't listen. Uh, they dismissed him. And the Bible says that Jeremiah was called of God, remember chapter number one, to be a prophet to his own people for 40 long years. He labored basically un, unheeded, uh, basically disregarded. Can you imagine uh, they're not going to listen to you, God said. But not only a, a prophet to his own nation, but a prophet to the nations. Because what we see is that God used other nations, even in the chastisement of his people, and yet God was in charge of all of it. And so even though God used Egypt, for instance, or Babylon in a big way to chastise God's people— they still were responsible for their own sins, and Jeremiah was part of the prophecy to them as well. We're going to get there as we wade through the book. Here we are in verse number 17 of chapter 7, where God has said something really astounding to Jeremiah, where he basically says, Jeremiah, don't, don't pray for this people. Uh, they're not going to listen. It's not going to do any good. They have just hardened their hearts so much that it's like water off a duck's back. Look at verse number 17. Seest thou, seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? Jeremiah, do you need, do you need to have, do you need to have validation as to the hardness of their heart? Jeremiah, do you really need to see I mean, I think you do see, I think it's very obvious that the, this people, they've just turned their backs on me. Just just look, 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 look. don't look in closets. Uh, don't look in, in dark alleys. Just look out in the, the everyday life. Look out in the streets of, uh, look in the cities, in the streets of Jerusalem. I mean, this is open, known, and public. That's how... That's how demonstrable their sin is. Verse number 18, the children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. This would be to Ishtar, uh, the false goddess. So think about it. Entire families have given themselves over to idol worship. Entire families are complicit in their denial of the true God. Everyone has, everyone's doing his part. The kids are out there picking up the sticks. 
The fathers are starting the fire. The mothers are making the 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 the, the cakes that are going to be offered to the false goddess. It's like the entire family is complicit in this. What what an indictment really on false worship. What an indi- on on the way God's people sometimes engage in false worship. What an indictment on the the kind of apostasy that the people were practicing back in those days, that moms and dads and kids, whole families were deceived and rebellious. The Bible says in verse uh, number 18 again, they they did this to, to make cakes for the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. So God says, and I'm watching this. I'm watching my people, which are called by my name, who are coming to my house, to whom I've sent my prophet and my words. I'm watching as they willingly rebel against me and it's provoking me to anger. Now, when you and I react in anger, many times that anger is unrighteous anger. We, we have anger because we have been inconvenienced or we have anger because of some lesser human motivation. But when the Bible talks about God's anger, it, it there's a couple imp- implications. First of all, God is slow to anger. So if God is angry, that means there's been a process whereby God's anger has been exacerbated. God's anger is in righteousness. God is never angry because of inconvenience. He's angry for just and right reasons. And so when the Bible says that they have provoked him to anger, to provoke means to cause somebody to do something that they would not have otherwise done. So when the Bible talks about a provocation to anger, God doesn't want to judge. Uh, God doesn't want to express indignation against his people, but he has been provoked to do so. This is not something he would have done but it's something that our disobedience and our apostasy, our false worship, uh, the error of our own hearts have, have caused. Look at verse number 19. Do they provoke me to anger? That's a rhetorical question, saith the Lord. Do they not provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? So th- the point here is, is the only thing they're doing making me mad? No, 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 it's much more than that. It's more than just causing anger from me toward them, but they're provoking confusion to their own faces. They're bringing this upon themselves. They're not only making me angry, but they're 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 basically inviting their own judgment. They're inviting their own complexity and confusion. Uh, they are calling their shots by their by their negative behavior, that you asked for this. Sometimes we'll say that, you're asking for it, you're asking for it. When a person's provoking, you're asking for it. That's what the Lord is saying here. Verse number 20, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place. You're the ones that have provoked it. You're the ones that have welded up. Well, now it's gotten to the place, the seething place, the the boiling over place, the place where it's going to be poured out. And the Bible says it'll be poured out upon upon this place. What place? The temple. Remember? Jeremiah's at the temple. 
God's wrath is going to be poured out upon this place. Well, that would be unthinkable to God's people. Why would God in his judgment harm this beautiful place, this place dedicated to him? Because what difference does it make if something is dedicated to him, has his name, if all it is is a pretend place of worship? It's no good. It's meaningless. It's not serving its purpose anyway. And so upon this place, upon man and upon beast, upon the trees of the field, in other words, upon you and your livelihood, upon this place, upon you and your livelihood, because their livelihood back then revolved around the agriculture, revolved around their animals, both in transportation and in agriculture. I am just going to level your entire lifestyle. And upon the fruit of the ground, it shall burn and shall not be quenched. This is not going to be just a get your attention kind of thing where you get the fire extinguisher out or pour the water out and, ooh, that was close. No, this will be an unquenchable fire, a fire that will do its job until there's no more fuel for that fire to burn. This is going to be a thorough judgment is what this verse is saying. Verse number 21, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. This is such an amazing verse. Put your burnt offerings unto, add it to, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifice and eat. What is God saying here? Okay, when, when a person would offer a sacrifice, let's say I were to bring a lamb for sacrifice. Now, if that were a, a Thanksgiving offering I gave to the Lord, well, then part of that sacrifice would go to the Lord himself. It would be burned upon that altar. Some of that sacrifice would go to feed the priests and the, and the Levite. But, and some would actually go to the actual priest that, that offered the sacrifice. But then the remainder of that animal would come back to me. And I would be able to eat that and celebrate and have a feast with my family. And that's why a time of sacrifice and these great feast times were a time of celebration because it would be a time of eating and celebrating. And well, what God says is this, hey, don't bother giving me my part. Don't, don't bother giving me the burnt offering. Just go ahead and take the burnt offering that you were gonna put on the altar and have it entirely burned as an offering to me. I'm not gonna accept that offering anyway. Your heart is not right. Your ways are not right. You're just pretending. So you might as well just eat it all. Just go ahead, take your burnt offering, put it with your sacrifice, just eat all of it. I don't want it. I don't want it. So what would be a good modern day illustration? A good modern day illustration would be, hey, keep your keep your offering. Uh, if you think that just coming to church and throwing in your 10% into the offering pray, plate, if you think that just coming to church and and serving for an hour as an usher or, you know, straightening up the Sunday school room because that's your job on Sunday, or I work the nursery, or I went to the altar at church, or I just, just, just stay home. I don't need your one hour of attendance. I don't need your service. I don't need your love offering. I don't need your tithe. If you're not going to give me your heart, th then just keep it all. Just go ahead and spend that money on whatever you want. Buy, buy some candy, save up for vacation, sleep in on Sunday. I mean, if you're not going to, if this is not going to be real, then don't pretend I'm not receiving it anyway. You're just wasting your time. Wow. 
What a verse. Just take the burnt offering, add it to your sacrifice, and have a good old time because you're not impressing me. Look at verse number 22. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. Remember back when I gave my covenant? The the initial teaching I gave Moses and the people had nothing to do with the ceremonial sacrifice, sacrificial system and when to bring a lamb and what to offer and who gets what. That wasn't my primary concern. Remember, when I gave you my covenant, my primary concern was love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those first four commandments all had to do with loving me and prioritizing me and worshiping me alone and having no graven image and just worship me. And then the last part of the commandments dealt with the way you treat each other. And don't bear false witness and honor your father and mother and don't kill and steal and commit adultery and lust and all of that. So don't think that I'm impressed when you disregard what I really want and just give me these sacrifices as if that's what I'm after. No. Look at verse number 25, 23 rather. And this thing commanded I them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God. Ye shall be my people. The relationship was always paramount to me, said God. Walk ye in all the ways that I've commanded you, that it may be well unto you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backward, not forward. Now, let me tell you what you did. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. You didn't do what was after my heart. David was a man after God's own heart. You didn't do what was after my heart. You did, you followed your own heart. Sometimes we hear that that, that statement even today. Well, just follow your heart. What the Bible says is when we become people that follow our heart, the imagination, the inclinations of our own heart, then we're actually not even headed in the right direction. The Bible says we're actually just going backward not forward. A good indication that you're going the wrong direction is when you do what you want to do without the counsel of God's word. A good direction that you're a good indication that you're going forward is when you're loving God, seeking God, obeying God in spite of what you desire, in spite of what you feel. You're doing what you know to do that's right by God and by others. That's when you're going forward. What a great way to gauge your direction. Think about it. Some pretty strong words today from Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. We're going to continue our study of this chapter uh, next episode. I will dive into verse number 25. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.